What a beautiful truth, right? Isn't the cross wonderful? Amen. You know, sometimes I feel like I gotta gotta retrain you guys. I'm a, I, I want to hear it back from you. I want to hear the amens come back. So let's try that again. Isn't the cross a wonderful thing now in this world that we can look to? Amen. There we go. There we go. Well, I, I hope you came ready and excited to hear God's word. I'm pumped to preach today and share with you some of uh, what I believe are, are, are important truths for today. Uh, today's going to be a little bit different with the message, uh, specifically because we're exploring something that I think offers a really good teaching point for us, especially right now in the, in the present culture that we live in. But just to recap a little bit, because I know last week uh, we were streaming just on Facebook instead of in person. So last week we were in Acts chapter 17, and we were really exploring a very, very important topic as well at that time. And we were talking about specifically what happens to people that don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And we talked about this this wonderful truth that comes out of Ecclesiastes 3.11, and specifically that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. So if if you want to hear that message, it's still on our Facebook page, and you can go on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Peace Mennonite Community Church to listen to that message as well as all the updates that are going on at our church. But today we're going to be in Acts 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start to flip to Acts 21 as we continue to see Paul and his companions uh, travel the world for the sake of the gospel and being able to preach the wonderful good news. Chris, if you could just put me down just a a hair, just lower me just a second, uh, just a little bit there. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 21. But before we begin, let's go ahead and enter into a prayer of intent, as I like to call it, where we just, again, focus our hearts on the Lord and what he has for us today. So if you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you for this time where we get to open up your word. We truly believe that your word is a lamp onto our feet, that through your word we are given life, that we are given truth, that we can hold on to, that we can point back to, and that can truly be an anchor in our lives. We pray today that as we explore your word, that we would plant it in our hearts and that you would allow it to grow, Father. Give us eyes to see the things that you're doing and ears to hear the words that you are saying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Any of you have brothers or sisters? Raise your hand if you do. Well, if you have a brother or sister, then you probably grew up at some point in your life getting bad advice. (laughs) And maybe it was just, you know, a prank that was being played or or something that was happening. Like, for instance, I remember when I was a kid and uh, my, my, my dad or my sister would try to fool me about something and have me do something and it ended up, you know, exploding on my face. And maybe it was like, turn this spigot right here and the water would jettison on my face. There can be moments in life, right, where people give us advice and it's not so good. And, and sometimes it could be funny, but, but sometimes it's not funny at all. 
I remember in uh, 2012, and, and some of you might also remember this too, uh, the, the growing trend of people was, was, was to, to think that the world was coming to an end. Do you remember this? That December 21st, 2012, the world was going to come to an end because the Mayans had predicted with their calendar that this would be the end of time. And I remember at that time thinking how foolish this was, but it it was kind of funny too to see people like with end of the world shirts and things like that. And I remember uh, looking at the clock at the time that it was supposed to happen and then just going, huh, well, I guess someone was wrong, right? <laughs> people throughout the ages have done this though, right? They've predicted things, they've given people advice about certain things, they've said the end is near and Somehow life continues to roll forward and things go on and not all prophecies are truly prophecies. So today we're going to look a little bit closer on prophecies and in, in, in a message that I have titled, Can We Hear God Wrongly? Now I think this is an important message for today because especially with the advent of things like YouTube where we can hear so many voices in the world, I think it's so important for us to make sure that we are hearing from God correctly. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 21 and uh, go ahead and flip there with your Bibles if you haven't already. And we're going to go ahead and start at verse so Acts 21, and we'll start with verse 3. Okay, so it says this, after sighting, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed in Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. So let me go ahead and just stop there for a second. So I, I know sometimes when you're reading the book of Acts, Paul is kind of jumping all over the place along with a lot of the other disciples. So let me just go ahead and stop for a second and help catch you up on where Paul is right now. So he's in this region of Syria, specifically south in Tyre. So I'm going to put the map on the screen right now. So last week when we were in Acts chapter 17, he was in Athens. So Athens is what is encircled in blue here, okay? There's three famous missionary journeys of Paul, and he's currently on his third missionary journey. So we were in Athens last week, and he kind of made his way around a little bit, and um, ended up in what is now in the green circle here. So Paul right now is trying to make his way back to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is, is kind of the south region just underneath the green circle. So he's back in the, the Palestinian region, if you will. So he's making his way to, his, to Jerusalem. So let's keep on reading. So we sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. <clears throat> through the Spirit, now this is where it gets interesting, through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. 
Okay, so what's going on? So Paul ends up in this region, and then the disciples start to pray for them, and it says that through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But what does Paul do? He denies that request, and he continues to go on to Jerusalem. So I want each of you to remember that, and we're going we're gonna to go back to that a little, a little bit later. But first, let me talk about this idea of prophecy or a prophetic word. You see, some people think that what it means to have a prophecy or what, it, what a prophetic word is, is, is just really a telling of the future, right? Or is, uh, almost like a fortune teller who's, be, who's able to predict the future events of your life or maybe somebody else's life or, or the world. But in reality, at least through Scripture, what a prophecy is or what a prophetic word is, is simply a message from God. A message from God. Now, that means that there can be all sorts of types of prophecies or prophetic words, right? There can be a prophetic word that looks into the future. We see this a lot in the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation, as well as other portions of Scripture that are prophesying about the person of Jesus his coming and what he's going to be able to do in this world. Think of Isaiah, for instance, who, who heavily prophesies about Jesus. So there are moments where it could look into the future. There are also times where there could be a prophetic word that, that reveals a truth or reveals a sin in someone's life. So, for instance, think about when, when Nathan was talking to David about his sin with Bathsheba. And he was bringing a word from the Lord, and it was going to be a prophetic word over his life. So really, prophecy or a prophetic word can be any time that there is a message from God of sorts. It's a special revelation that is given uh, from God to someone that is spoken out. So the, the origins of the word comes from who? Comes from God. So we see in this passage a sense of them giving a prophetic word to Paul about not going, and then Paul decides to go anyways. Now in Scripture, God is very, very, very serious when it comes to the ideas of prophecy, and more specifically, prophets of Scripture. In fact, repeatedly out through Scripture, God is so strong about prophecy and prophets that He's constantly reminding people about getting it right. There's three criteria, for instance, in Deuteronomy that the Lord points out that every single prophet and prophetic word needs to be able to follow. So I want to just show you that really quick. So Deuteronomy 18.20, and we'll put it on the screen for you, says this, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. So God is so serious about it 
that if you get it wrong in this Old Testament law, God believed that person should be put to death. Verse 21, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Now, I think this is really, really, really helpful for today. And if you didn't notice, there's kind of three things that, that are the test of a prophet according to this passage of Scripture. So first, the prophet must speak in the name of the Lord and not other gods, Okay? So if a prophet is speaking in someone else other than God, or if there's a prophetic word that is, is the source is other than God, then you reject it. The second, the message must be in accordance with God's truth in Scripture. So let me give you an example of that. If I were to start telling you, you know what, I think the Lord is saying it's okay for you to cheat on your wife. Is that, a, is that truly a prophetic word from the Lord? No. Why? Because Scripture speaks against adultery. So if I give a word that violates the commands of Scripture and the moral ethic and conduct for which God wants me to live, then you could reject it. In the same way if someone tells you, you know what? I think God's okay with you committing that sin. If there is something in Scripture that speaks against that, you reject that immediately and you consider that message or that person a false prophet or a false prophetic word. Are you guys tracking with me? Third, whenever the prophet says something about future events, those events must come to pass. So I was picking a little bit on the Mayan calendar thing, but chances are there's been some time of your life where you've heard a story of somebody making a prophecy about the end of the world, right? And this, it, this isn't just a Christian problem. Yes, it has happened with people who, who claim the name of Christ, but this is really a, a, a everyone kind of problem, right? You see this in, in, in not just religion, but you even see it in the secular as well, where they, they predict something's going to happen, maybe the breakdown of, 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 of natural causes and things like that, and they're wrong. That is a false prophet and a false prophecy. So you should be weary of people who make those kinds of predictions. And just to, to, to point out a few, for instance, think, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not the type of guy to pick on somebody, but it is true. Think about the Jehovah Witness religion or the Seventh-day Adventist religion. Those religions didn't just have prophecies about the end of the world, but those prophecies came from the founder itself, which I always think is different than just somebody who's not following the faith correctly. You know, so you should be weary of those kinds of 
people and and, and truths, if they do not come true, then according to God, they are a false prophet. Now, I know when I talk about this, and I talk about prophecy and prophets, and it can, it can cause us to sometimes feel uncomfortable, right? Because in reality, many of us, we, we live in a Western world. And in a Western world, there's a few things that we favor above other things, right? And one of those things is, is this idea of... of uh, being able to prove everything that we do through science, right? But I think that there are still voices today that might not be somebody standing on a corner prophesying in the way that you see in the Old Testament, but are still speaking a word that they believe is a word of truth, a message of God of sorts, that is 100% wrong and should be rejected. And I'm just going to list a few of, of, of what I think in our culture can tend to be um, uh, somewhat of, of false prophets or, or teachers at least in today. And the first one is naturalism. So naturalism is a very common belief right now in the Western world. It's kind of the framework through which most people actually operate their lives. And it's this belief that you can only explain things through natural causes. So if you can't explain it scientifically, then all things need to be rejected. You can't give any room or margin for things like God or the spiritual. You reject all of that. That has no place in reality. The second would be relativism. Now, this is running rampant in our society. And this is the idea that there is no such thing as an absolute moral truth. That all truth is relative to whatever it is you believe. Okay, so whatever society has has created, whatever social constructs exist, that is your truth. And hey, man, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. You know, it's kind of the the hippie that you see, right? Like, hey, bro, like it's everything. You know, you be you, I'll be me. We do our thing. That is such a common common uh, belief system. And the next one is religious pluralism. This is, this is the idea that, that there are multiple ways to God, that all religions have, have the same or, uh, or, or nearly the same truths, that it's just different ways of, of scaling the mountain in order to get to the same pinnacle at the top. The last that I want to mention is Christian progressivism. Now, this is different than political progressivism. But what Christian progressivism is today, and we see it affecting our church, our ministers, our leadership in so many different ways, and that is a eroding of the gospel, an eroding of the moral values that God has put in this book, and an erasing of sorts that kind of redefines and reinterprets Scripture based off of whatever is the norm of today. 
So an example of that could be maybe certain progressive, Christian progressive views on, on, on the sanctity of life or, or marriage or, or just even what the church is supposed to do and represent, where those values have stood throughout the history of the church and before and have been affirmed and are clear in Scripture, but yet there is this progressivism that is trying to do kind of a mental gymnastics to say, no, that's wrong. And this, this, this is also, I think, false teaching and, and, and a false word of today. But the reality is, is that every single word that we speak in some ways, even if we're not saying that, hey, I heard this from God, we need to be careful with, right? I mean, Scripture tells us how strong the tongue is. If you read the book of James, it, it describes the tongue as being this thing that is kind of this, this wild fire. And we've all experienced moments of our life, correct, where, where we've said something and maybe regretted it and said something and created damage. I mean, isn't it wild that I can literally speak up here today and say something and create harm and damage, even though I didn't physically hurt anything? That I can, through the words that I speak, create harm and damage. So we all need to be careful with the words that we say. Now, what does that have to do right now with, with what Paul is going through and journeying to Jerusalem and the likes of that? Well, I think we need to read a little bit more. So, so, uh, so Paul continues his journey with Luke, and he goes from Tyre to, to Ptolemais, and, and he specifically meets a group of prophets there. And there's this one prophet in particular, this man who's named Agabus, who speaks to Paul. So let's go ahead and keep reading at verse 10. So verse 10 after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand, over, hand him over to the Gentiles." When he heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am, not, I am, not, or I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So who's hearing God correctly here? Right? Who's hearing God correctly? Twice Scripture says that you have these groups of people in radically different areas of the world tell Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, don't do it. 
And you even have one man going even further and saying that if you go to Jerusalem, this is going to be the result of your life. You are going to be bound and the Gentiles are going to arrest you. And you have all of the believers of the church urging Paul off of this message to not go. But we know that Paul is a man of God, right? And we know that at the very least, he's, he's passionate about being able to do what God has for him. He's demonstrated that character already. So who is right here and who is hearing wrongly from God? Is it possible that God is saying two different things to two different people that conflict in its message? And if so, does that happen today? Can we hear from God wrongly? Or does God say to one person one thing and the other person the opposite? You see, I think this really matters, and even though this story in Scripture may not seem like a significant one, it really raises an important question, and that question is, is God trustworthy, and are the people who are supposedly hearing from God actually hearing from God? That includes every single person in this room, and especially this guy up here. That every single time we speak and every single time we talk to somebody, especially if it is around our faith and we're instructing people about matters of sin and forgiveness and eternity, we need to make sure that there is alignment, right? And that what we are saying is aligning with Scripture and aligning what, with what God is calling us to do and say. So who do you think is wrong in this story? Is it Paul? Or is it the people prophesying? I know it's a tough question to, to answer, but, but this is the reality, is that life is oftentimes very complicated. You know, some of us, we have the personality where it's white or black. My wife is very much like this. You know, when my wife takes spiritual gifting tests, she scores as high as you can on, on the personality of, of, of a prophet, which is typically somebody that just sees right and wrong and nothing in between. <laughs> But life is, at least for many of us, isn't always as easy to decipher. And especially in a situation like this, it can get tricky. And chances are, there's probably been a moment in your life where you have taken the time to pray about something, to hear from advisors around you, and you feel like you're hearing two different things, Right? Raise your hand if that's probably happened to you before. If you're not raising your hand, you're not being honest. Because <laughs> these, are, these are moments of life. Because life can be complicated. It can be tricky. Now, here's what I think. I think the answer of the question of who is hearing from God wrongly is really nobody is hearing from God wrongly. I think what's going on here in Scripture is instead what's happening is, is that 
the church and these people in the church are hearing from God. That they realize that if Paul goes to Jerusalem, that it's not going to end well for Paul. That he will be arrested. That things will go badly for him. And I think that message is 100% right. Because we know this. We read the, next, the end of the chapter and that exact thing happens. So does that, does that pass the test of Scripture? Yeah, because it comes to pass. Exactly that thing happens. Paul gets arrested. And in fact, it's his arrest in Jerusalem that will eventually lead him back to Rome where he will be beheaded. So the church and these people were, were listening correctly from God. But I think where things went wrong or at least went in a different direction, was the message that God had ended there. You see, God was just trying to, in some ways, tell Paul what to expect. In the same way that Jesus realized the suffering that was going to come to him, and he was under so much stress as he, as he understood that the wrath of God would literally be poured out on him, on, on what he was able to do in the cross, I think God was almost giving Paul an opportunity here to prepare his heart for what was to come. And what do we see out of Paul's heart? We see this beautiful, beautiful, where he says, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Why does he say that? Because he realizes that he doesn't want to cause stress. He doesn't want to distress any person for what he is willing to do. And what he's willing to do, he clearly says it in the next sentence. He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. So the message that Paul is getting from God is giving Paul the opportunity to be able to, to, to say, you know what, God, I understand that there is a road ahead of me that isn't going to end in my favor, that I'm going to be maybe bound and maybe killed, but I'm ready to do that for you, God. So this moment where, where the church is prophesying this over, over Paul is, is actually a beautiful moment, and Paul does not want to take this beautiful moment away from them. But where the church in some ways goes too far is they take bad news, and then what do they try to do? They try to, 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 to protect Paul from it. They try to avoid it. They tried to say, okay, this is not going to be good, so let's not go there. And you know, I, I don't want to be too critical because that's a pretty normal response, right? I mean, we do that every day, don't we? If the roads are really icy or slippery, we, we think to ourselves, you know what, maybe I shouldn't go on the roads today. That's why we closed down church last week. So, I mean, it's practical to think in this way, but oftentimes what isn't practical is always what God has for us. Sometimes there are moments where the Lord is, causing, is allowing us and in, in, in putting us on a path that might not end the way that we'd like it to end, but it is the best path for our lives or the lives of those around us. I mean, isn't that the gospel message itself? 
It's not a good thing that Jesus had to die. Jesus died because of our sin. But yet it was through that path and that willingness for Jesus to yield himself to the Father's will and to allow himself freely to die on the cross that we get what? Salvation. My one point today, I think this is a good one for all of us to hear, is that hearing from God means following the Master. Hearing from God means following the Master. You see, I don't think there's a magic formula in order to hear from God. The reason why I'm telling you this is because um, for as long as I've been a pastor, I've always at some point will have a congregant who thinks that I somehow magically hear from God better than they can because, you know, I'm a pastor. And that I'm somehow, you know, speaking something out that allows me to hear from God in a way that is better or more accurate than how you can hear from God. But in reality, hearing from God means following the Master. We read earlier today, Jessica read earlier today, John 10, 27, and I'm going to repeat it to you because it's good. And it says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. How do you listen to somebody? Now, if you're married, you get practice all the time. (laughs) So if you are a husband especially, How do you listen to somebody? Well, first thing you do is you close this pie trap right here. (laughs) And you turn these two things on. And you try to understand and you try to take the time to think about what that individual is saying. Now, this is a list and it's not a magic formula, but I do think that if you do these things, you are able to hear from God correctly. These are just five things that I think will allow you to hear from God more uh, more accurately and correctly in your life. And the first is, is to just follow Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean living for Him and not willfully giving in to sin. You know, this week I was, I was, I was reminded that some of the sin I commit isn't always willful sin, right? It's not always me, like, knowing that it's wrong and doing it. Sometimes it's unintended sin. Sometimes I don't realize that I'm sinning when I am sinning. So it's a willful commitment to yield yourself to God and to allow Him to direct your life. Yielding yourself means saying, Lord, I might want something, but ultimately I'm going to look to you and what you want for me and what you have for me. It means reading your scripture. You know, one of the reasons why I'm not a Christian progressive is because I have to end up doing mental gymnastics to make sense of so many different things in order to make it all fit. But if you just take the Bible for what it says and take the time to learn it and study it and understand it well, then you always have something that you can point back to. Because you can trust and know and believe that what it's teaching you is morally good, morally praiseworthy, and what God wants you to do. 
you know, sometimes the best way that I hear from God is not just trying to hone my mind as hard as I can to, you know, get a sense of a feeling or a word in my head, but it's sometimes just going and reading this and hearing the words and just letting them wash over me and just being able to enjoy the great labor of God creating this book through the hands of of man through generation and generation. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, you can every single day of your life, especially because you live in America, pick this book up and hear from God. How amazing is that? Every day of your life, you can hear from God. All you have to do is just pick up the book. Next is listening to our conscience, realizing that sometimes God does direct our conscience and does allow us the, the understanding of being able to kind of realize that maybe we did something and, and we felt wrong and being able to be sensitive to that. Now, the heart is deceitful. Scripture tells us this. So this only works well if you apply it to the other things, but it is a part of it. Four, quiet time. Now, I know this is a new word, children, but quiet time (laughs) means turning off the TV, turning off the news, getting in a place where you yourself can, can, can take the time to maybe even sit in silence and meditate on the word, meditate on God, and just allow him to speak to you. Last is being in Christian community. I know that sounds different. Because I don't want to, because some of us don't want to hear from each other. We want to hear from God, right? (laughs) But in reality, when we are in community with each other, we get the opportunity to be able to to allow others who have the Holy Spirit inside of them to hopefully speak through us. I mean, how did God speak to Paul? Did he did he share this message about him being bound alone? No, he shared it through people. So Paul was able to hear from God not just by himself, but by what? by the church that was around him. So never think that the church will not speak um, a word into your life that is from God. But here's the caveat, is there have been unique moments of my own life where I really feel like God gives me a strong impression to tell somebody something. And it's different than the normal, you know, hey, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. I mean, there's only been a handful of times, but there's been these unique moments where I know the Lord wants me to tell somebody something. But one of the things that I practice when I do that, I tell them this little cop-out line, and it's really not that I'm copping out, but it's like a disclaimer, where I say, hey, if I'm, if I'm hearing the Lord correctly, I believe God wants you to know this. Or I believe God would, is directing you this way. And I suggest that if you are ever speaking to somebody and you feel like the Lord put something on your heart to tell them that you use that same line, that you say something like, if I'm hearing from the Lord correctly, because that immediately allows the person to know that you might be hearing from God incorrectly, right? I mean, Right? So if I'm hearing from the Lord correctly, and then say what you have to say. 
truth is, though, that we don't always like what God has to say, right? (laughs) And we don't always like the path that He puts us on. But we need to trust that whatever path of life God has us on, that's exactly where we need to be. That's a hard one, right? Especially if you're going through some pain. Maybe you're going through physical pain. Maybe you're going through some emotional pain. Maybe you're going through just the pain of watching the news. (laughs) I'd encourage you to take the time, though, to hear from the Lord, to ask Him what He would have to say uniquely about your life. Because here's the thing. God so deeply cares and loves each of you. He knows your pain. He knows your circumstances. He knows every single thing about you. In fact, I'd say that He knows you better than you know yourself. And I want to hear daily from the person that knows me better than I know myself. Do you? Amen? Amen. Paul would eventually go to Jerusalem. He'd eventually get arrested. He'd get handed over to the Romans. He'd write many letters to many different churches while he was imprisoned. And he probably was able to do so much more than many of us in chains than we are free. He didn't let his circumstances stop him from doing what God was calling him to do. And eventually he would pay the ultimate price of his life being taken from him early because of the convictions that he had. But he was willing to do that, and I imagine if he was alive, he would do it again. Because Paul was following the master. He was hearing the voice of God, and he was believing what God had to tell him. And Paul got to follow in the footsteps of his master in giving up his life for the truth that he believed in. I think that's a wonderful thing. I want to close by encouraging you to be mindful of the people you listen to to realize that God's voice, that He does want to speak to you, that He does want to minister to you wherever you at, and He wants to do it on a daily basis. But to be careful of the kinds of voices and people that you listen to, and that includes me. Test the Spirit. Test what is spoken to you. And anything that is spoken to you that doesn't line up with God's Word that points to something else other than Him or that in, doesn't come to pass and isn't truth, take and reject it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that You are so reliable, that You are dependable, that we can look to You in all our days of our lives as a source of truth, a source of hope, a source of of, of life. 
Father, I pray that the words that are spoken in this church, about this church, through this church, that they would truly be your words. We recognize, Father, that we are fallen people. But Father, we want to hear from you. Help us tune our ears to have listening ears to listen to the words that you would like to say so that each of us can follow our master and hear from you well. In Jesus' name, amen.